What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest... There was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass. Or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted. And the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice. And that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than a hundred televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for. And they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it. And I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The athletic club, Oakland where sports fans get everything they want every day. They want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, no Marcus, or Maxine today. But I am fired up to announce that rejoining me after way too long. The former Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, the current host of both Locked on Heat and Locked on the NBA, a remarkably close friend of this show, and a newly married man, Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? Hey, good to see you, man. It's been way too long talking about Warriors. Uh, you're telling me, dude. Um, and I should warn you, a little hungover today, uh, maybe inappropriately so. I was going to try to keep things in pocket. We had like three generations of family over to the house last night. And then, and I, I don't want to use this phrase. I don't want to call it a miracle, but I'm just going to do it anyways. Then a Chrismica miracle unfolds and I decide to get hammered. So I'm doing really well. But if I, you know, if I kind of lose track here, I'm going to need you to be the professional because I'm not in my tip top shape, let's say. Was it like half a dozen eggnogs or what was what was the drink of choice? Straightforward beer with a scotch at the end. In fact, the, this is a weird way to start it. But let me start this podcast by thanking Dylan Brooks. So 
I have been married, Wes, I don't know, dude, more than 10 years, long time. And I've been with my wife for way longer than that shit. We met in fourth grade. And so the upshot of that is I know her parents pretty well, and I know her dad pretty well. He and I could go on a vacation and be fine, but I wouldn't say we're friends, right? You know, like we haven't like gotten to that point where we like shit house people together. Well, last night, there was a portion where we're about in the third quarter. He asks to no one in particular, does anybody else here hate fucking Dylan Brooks? And I've never loved anybody more, like never at any point, you know, and I'm like, I'm like raising both hands and like suddenly we're drinking together. So yeah, it was right about then off to the races. So thank you, Mr. Brooks, dude. You've, you've brought my father and I uh, really close together. It's, it's just good stuff. Sports love can only take you so far, but, but shared sports hatred. There's nothing more powerful than that. <laughs> That's a hundred percent right, dude. And it's, it's when the totally inappropriate takes start landing. I think I was saying things like, well, I hate his face. And my father, was like me too, you know, we're like hugging after the game. And it was, and it's the kind of thing that love never could have provided, but hate, hate really brought us there, man. Yeah. It's what brought my dad and I closer together growing up. You know, he got me into sports and obviously he started me off as a Dolphins fan. Uh, and it was right after Dan Marino retired. So the Dolphins went through and still are going through, depending <laughs> on that, a long period of uh, of not being very good. And uh, but really, so when I tell people I'm a Dolphins fan, really what it is, is a, I hate the Patriots fan. And so, <laughs> and that's really what my Sundays were based on. It's like, OK, you play you, you get through one quarter of the Dolphins game. You realize they're going to lose 23 to four or 23 to three or something like that. And then you're like, all right, well, at least I get to look forward to the Patriots maybe losing. The downside of it is that they basically never did. Uh, but, but that's really what brings the the that was that brought my dad and I closer together. It's what made me get into sports in the first place. And that's, you know, you saying you hated the Patriots made me like you and your father. Like there are some teams that are so fucking hateable. It transcends everything. It's like a great television show. You know, like right. you can bring it up in almost any party. Like, oh, who here hates the Patriots? And you're going to get a lot right. of friends almost instantaneously man it's a great compliment too if you're a, a team or a player or a coach or like a quarterback or just a player. like if everybody just universally hates you then that's the biggest compliment because it transcends like the division right i'm a dolphin <laughs> i should always get the patriots regardless of who their quarterback is or coach but the fact that every like a raiders fan or a niners fan or a, or arizona cardinals fan can hate the patriots that that is there anybody in the NBA that's like that at this point other than Dylan Brooks? I, suppose? I was just about to say, yeah, that's exactly. And I hate that you beat me to that bunch. I was so excited. You know, I was like, oh, if he pauses for a second, I'm going to throw out Dylan Brooks. But no. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you had asked me last night, I would have mentioned everybody. You know, I, yeah. I really respect who John Miranda is as a player. I mean, it's impossible not to. His athleticism right. is proof of fucking human evolution. But I can also tell you that the only thing that is more impressive than his athleticism is his whining fucking ability. And there was minutes, you know, last night where I hated him about as much as Dylan Brooks, man. So, you know, and, and sports hate. I mean, we, you know, we got a yeah. we got a hedge here. I've never met the man, but it definitely hit me. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's jump in. All right. Yeah. So glass half full. You've done this a thousand times. We're going to be looking back at recent hoop uh, warriors and give me something you like and don't don't constrain yourself. We haven't heard from you. I'd love some takes on the season at large, but I think you know where I'm going. Um, shit. I liked Steph Curry impressions by Jordan Poole. You know, this guy has been bouncing around this season recently, though. He has been coming through and no more so than last night. You know, real big fucking moment. Every excuse to maybe not show up. He didn't have all the help we normally would. He's now the focus of the Memphis defense. Didn't back off at all. Loved it. I love the images we got 
I love Clay Thompson sliding across the floor, shithousing Dylan Brooks. Um, I loved Draymond Green blocking Ja Morant and then standing over him and fucking screaming at him. Uh, so multiple moments last night. And I'll, I'll give yeah. you one more thing I liked. Draymond Green getting back to dominating games without really doing shit on the offensive end. Uh, he had three 13 and 13 last night. And just felt like he was everywhere, both emotionally and physically, dude. So, you know, huge things. I should thank him for strengthening my relationship with my father-in-law, too. <laughs> um, look, there, there was a lot of drama, kind of. It was a soap opera game, right? Like, that was, it was a great team in the Grizzlies versus a team that just won the NBA Finals in the Warriors. That's that should be enough, right? Even without Steph, there's great players on both sides of the ball, and and that. But just like that's a soap opera game because of all the things that have been bubbling beneath the surface, this sort of pseudo kind of almost rivalry thing happening between yep. the two organizations. And by the way, after last night, can we just not like, like the Warriors took that so personally? It's usually the the more experienced team with the with the track record that has to accept a budding rivalry as a full blown rivalry. The Warriors, in the way that they acted, there's no more like, oh, this is almost, that's a rivalry. You <laughs> hate this team. You are treating it as such. That was the best game that multiple players on this team have played all season long. It's the best game they've played in a very long time, most certainly. And the fact that Draymond Green came out and had his, I, I agree with you, his best defensive performance of the season. When Jaron Jackson Jr., by the way, also a Michigan State alum, who they're very friendly, they are very close, um, is on the other side getting DPOY buzz over the last couple of weeks since yeah. he came back to the season and Draymond just being like, you know what? I'm still the greatest defender of our generation. Why don't you slow down Jaron Jackson? Like, <laughs> I love that. I love Clay Thompson. That is so much better than like screaming at Devin Booker and pointing at the four fingers. Like that was that to me, the four finger celebration was sad. Like that was almost depressing. It was like a grandpa taking you through like old photo albums. Like, and you're just like, look how hot I used to be. And like, all right, grandpa. Like, Wes, I hate you. Yeah. Even if I found that funny, I didn't like that at all. I just want you to know I'm pausing you to tell you that I hate you. All right, go ahead. This was so much better. This was so much better. There was no pointing. There was no track record. It was just like, we are yamming on you right now. And I am just going to get, and I'm going to get the technical and I know I'm going to get the technical. I've been in the league for a long time. I don't care. That's how much points we have. That's how much of a cushion we have to spare. Take the tech. We don't care about it. I don't care. I love that. I absolutely loved it. If I'm going to go so on. And then you didn't even mention my favorite celebration. I know like the staring with Draymond Green. My favorite one was just, I'm not even sure what the context was, but Dylan Brooks being like all Dylan Brooksy, kind of looking upset as he always does right around like the nail part. It was during a break um, dead ball. He's over like a free throw line nail part of the court. And Draymond is just sort of walking along the baseline. And there's like a couple players in between Dylan Brooks yeah. and Draymond. And Draymond just looks in Dylan Brooks's direction and just sticks his tongue out like full MJ. <laughs> tongue out. And it, what the, I don't know why he did it. There was no reason to do it. I'm like, are you going to are you threatening to lick Dylan Brooks? I don't really understand what's happening here. But it was awesome because he was just feeling himself. And then when you do something silly like that but he felt like he was like such a baller when he was doing it. Like that's just pure unadulterated emotion directed at Dylan Brooks. And, and that to me was my favorite part. I just, I loved the vibe, the emotion there. Dude, it's sports are the original reality TV. You know, we don't think of it that way, you know, but it's, it's a series of drama whose outcome you cannot predict because it hasn't happened. And like last night going into that game, no Steph, no Wiggins, they're playing fairly shitty. They're coming off back-to-back -back ass smashings. If you wrote that as a sitcom, they come out and destroy these fuckers, this hated rival who's been talking all this shit. It'd be enjoyable, but you'd roll your eyes five or six times. You know, like there's no fucking way the Anthony right. Lamb hitting big 
big time three pointers. Like, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. It's the kind of thing that is, you know, uh, reality is stranger than fiction. And I'll, I actually pulled a picture here and I don't have our video coordinator. So hopefully this will work. Um, but I, I'm hoping that you can see this picture of Draymond. I'm throwing out here. This was so. This is after Draymond blocked uh, Ja. But this was the moment that my father-in-law and I became very close because I literally stopped the TV. This is a picture I took from my TV, Wes, and stopped <laughs> and like like almost posed with it. And uh, instead of thinking I was ridiculous, my father-in-law actually liked it. I'll give you something I don't. And it's a reoccurring theme. And I'm going to say it quickly because it's your opinion that matters. Here's the thing I don't like, the officiating. It's it's getting crazy to me. It's the officiating, not only the Warriors received, the texts that they got last night. Shit, I'm surprised I haven't received like two technicals just from fucking talking, you know, positively about the Warriors. But it's also the officiating the other side gets. Ja was officiated like an eight-time champion in my very biased opinion last night. So it's you know it's what I didn't like. But let me ask you: you were there, you watched it. I mean, what do you think, man? What, is is the officiating fair? And I'm just being a homer, or is this getting a little ridiculous? All right. So my least favorite radio topic is officiating. So let me start there. So I'll also be quick with this. I have about 15 more officiating questions. So you may <laughs> just sit back. They're going to be really. Good. Took 26 free throws. The Grizzlies took 30. It's not that big of a deal. Um, they earned those texts. They knew what they were doing when they got those texts. So you take the technicals out of it, out of the equation, and it's almost even there. Um, look, the Warriors also get calls, dude. It, I know that everybody's biased. I If we want to have a bigger picture of talk about like, okay, so now we're calling carrying after 30 years of not doing that. We can have that conversation if we want, but um, it I didn't. I watched that game. I thought there were a lot of foul calls being called. I also think that, given the soap opera nature, the reality TV show nature of this game, that was also a sign of the officials trying to get this game under control as much as possible. And they knew what they were walking into when they walked into Chase Center. They knew that they were going to have to do a, probably a little bit more of a heavy-handed job tonight, knowing that these two teams could come to blows at any second. I mean, Draymond punched his own teammate in the face for no reason. So <laughs> it, it shouldn't be like the officials coming in being like, we probably have to kind of have a tight rope on this one. Shouldn't be shocked. Wes, did I say I need your opinion? Because I meant to say I hate your opinion and I would like <laughs> to invalidate it. And if I had the audio skills, I would somehow either erase or alter what you just said, but it is what it is. Now, there's nothing I can do to take it out of the record. Let's flip to our golden questions, man. This is our mailbag. Um, they all basically are looking at last night. And here's the first. The teams have been talking about this matchup for six months. How important was this game for each franchise? And you've kind of already talked about this, but I'm going to split it up. I'm going to split it up not only by teams, but I'm going to split it up into two different questions. So how much did each team want this win before? And then what does the outcome of this game mean to each franchise? So let's start with Memphis. But before you tell me um, what you think it meant to them before, let me share with you this is from the pregame. Here's Memphis dancing their way into the arena. I'm not sure you've seen this yet. So what we're seeing here is, is Memphis literally backstage dancing their way over um, and you know clearly posturing the whole way through. So with that in mind, Wes, what do you think, dude? How much did this game mean to the Grizzlies before they took the floor? So let me just first provide some context to the Grizzlies dancing in. This is not just a at Chase Center on Christmas thing. They not do this context. for a lot of <laughs> they do this before a lot of games. It's sort of their thing. Is the dance ridiculous? Yes. Uh, I don't understand 
how players dance anymore. The whole like I I now realize that I am past 30 years. I'm 31 years old. And I now for the first time feel like I'm 30 plus years old because the whole gritty thing of 2022. Can we please keep that stupid dance in 2022? When the, cl- <laughs> when the calendar rolls to 2020, I never want to see another gritty. And like while we're at it, the too small celebration, let's get rid of that too. That's <laughs> last year. It's stupid. A, the too small thing used to be baller. It used to be cool. No, it, it got completely played out. When you're doing it, Patrick Beverly, when you're down 30 points, that's ridiculous. All right. Oh, so you can it. We don't get to do it anymore. Move on. Okay. And you ruin the fun for everybody. Nobody gets to do it anymore. All right. So that was my quick off off script take there. Um, you were asking me about the Grizzlies. I think this mattered a lot to them. I loved John Morant being asked uh, by Malika Andrews, who are you worried about this year? And him basically saying nobody in the West. I actually loved that response from John Morant. That is old school. That is trash talk. That is it's 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 guerrilla warfare because you're not naming anybody by name, but you know exactly who you're talking about there. And and I love it. I love the confidence. And I think every leader of every contender and the Grizzlies are a contender should feel that way. I have no problem with that. What I didn't like, though, was as much as the Warriors needed that game and acted like they needed that game. And I love that. The Grizzlies weirdly just were super chill the entire game. And I was like, where's the urgency? Where's the energy? Where's like all that all, whatever energy you use to come up with the dancing and the bulletin board material before this? They would they just felt like this. They had this like confidence. And swagger during the game, even though they were down like 20 in the fourth quarter, and it was unearned. It'd be one thing if you were like a multi-time champion, but you haven't really done anything. Like, you're impressive. We all love John Morant. Like, we think you're a really good team. We're not taking it. But you really haven't earned anything. And that, to me, was what was bothersome. It kind of reminded me of the Hawks last year, or even the Celtics last, uh, like a couple years ago. It was like, they just walk around because they've been anointed like the next big thing. But like, the whole thing about being the next big thing is you're not the big thing now. You're the next one. And you've got to get there. And I didn't like that from the Grizzlies. So my, my take on the Grizzlies was great. Love the confidence, love the bigger picture swagger that you have. But in a game like this on Christmas, against a shorthanded Warriors team that you were supposed to win. They were supposed to win that game. And you come up short that way. And then you're weirdly chill the entire time. I don't love that. That's not a good look for me. So now I'm sort of checking like, okay, do I love the confidence with this team? Or am I a little where I thought it was a strength? Am I a little concerned about it? in the sense of the Grizzlies, where now it might be kind of a, a weakness almost. Dude, last night, they used confidence to mask insecurity. They used confidence to mask right. the fact that they were yeah. fucking intimidated by the matchup. Um, I remember going through law school, and I had a friend uh, I remember thinking was like super prepared and so fucking ready all the time and seeing them in the tests, and they were always stone-faced and shit, and then ultimately talking to him and realized that he'd failed the test, and he was just keeping a stone face because he didn't know how to deal with the pressure as it came in. That's what screamed uh, what was going on with Memphis last night, and it was so fucking satisfying to watch you know what did this game mean to them going into it i'm not a grizzlies fan but i can tell you that it meant the world to them you don't talk shit for six months go on nationally televised be favored by seven and a half in the defending champs house and not really try to get yourself up for it you know i haven't watched any of their dances before i did watch that one it meant fucking something to them, dude. Yes. And to watch this loss play out, you know, it doesn't happen in sports movies. You don't see somebody, you know, losing the opening scene, practice, 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 get better, get better, get better, go back to the bully that beat them and then lose again. That's not what happens. That's not how the story, you know, the story, the, the story is supposed to play out. That's how it played out last night. So I think it meant the world to them beforehand. And I think they're somewhere super upset now. And both those things make me happy, Wes.
it, it's it, it wasn't a must win for them because the Warriors were without Steph and right. Andrew Wiggins, so it doesn't it wouldn't if they win doesn't, that game, they're not proving doesn't that make them a must win though. Isn't that like the they so, had to they can't beat us without fucking the best players? Right. You know that that's it wasn't, a terrible. It wasn't look. a must win, but it was a can't lose, right? I know I'm just like yeah. doing the semantics, but we're yeah. saying the same thing. It's just like winning doesn't really do anything for you, but losing takes yeah. the wind out of your sails, right. right? Yeah. So it was look. The Grizzlies can wake up this morning and just say, you know what? They didn't have Steph. We just didn't get up with it. We didn't have proper urgency and move on. And that look, that probably is what happened. And that's just sports. And this one game on Christmas, it doesn't really matter for them. But I actually think it matters a lot for the Warriors. You know, I thought that was a really important win for them. A statement win. First game uh, of what is an eight, nine game homestand coming, coming up here. The first one to get a win that you need. And this really important stretch of the season, the most important stretch of the season so far. Um, that's going to basically make or break their season. To start it in that way was meaningful. I, I so totally agree with you. Last take on Memphis. Memphis isn't a quiet, quiet confidence team. You know, I mean, they are, they're brash. They want yes. everybody to know. Brash, shit-talking teams want that fucking win last night. And, you know, and there's there's no way that this doesn't resonate, or resonate in some way with them. For Golden State, so we did a similar talk about this with the Boston win, man. And, you know, what did it mean to both teams and, and how does this play out? And when we were talking about Boston, I said, you know, I didn't think it meant that much to the Warriors. This one, I think it did, especially beforehand, especially where they were with the season. There's an uncertainty with fucking Steph's injury and to come in and remind the world and themselves what they can be capable of on the big stage. I think it was a big deal. So I think leading into it, they probably tried to minimize it. Everybody's hurt. Who cares? But coming out of it, I think it's a big win, man. I really do. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. If you had to bet a ton of money right now, something significant to you, who do you think makes it further in the playoffs this year? Memphis or the Warriors? Oh, you don't want me to answer that question. Oh, then fuck yourself. I don't. I do not want you to answer. Is there? Well, I mean, go ahead. Why? Obviously, it's Memphis. Why do you think they they do that? Um, let me let me hedge it by saying the way these two teams are constructed right now, I have more faith in the Grizzlies to go further than I do the Warriors. That said, I if I'm another team, I don't want to see the Warriors in the playoffs. Right? Like that. The thing about the Warriors, like if we're gonna go back to the glass half full thing for just like ten seconds. What I love about the there's two things that I love about the Warriors this year, and one's sort of a technical thing, and one's just more of an emotional vibe check thing. The technical thing is that the starting lineup is the best starting lineup in the league when healthy, yep. and 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 the solve for that is fix the bench. This team's good. Yep. Boom, that's the solve. And by the way, the way to do that is to just ditch the two timeline thing and just fix the bench now. But that's a whole big, more theoretical conversation that sure. we don't have to have. But like, if you want to get there, the frame, the like, there it is. Just do it. You can do it. It's not hard. Um, is your question is, do you want to do it? The thing, the emotional vibe check thing that is, that keeps me optimistic and believing in this Warriors team is that win against Boston and that win last night against the Grizzlies. The fact that they could just be this bad all season long, and the Warriors have been bad, you know, not like San Antonio Spurs bad, but like what their expectations for them, they were bad and they're not, not good enough. Let's just put it that way. The fact that you can get up for a Celtics team and just, Prove that you still live in there in the, in the collective head of Celtics Celtics fans is awesome. And the fact that you could do that same thing against the Grizzlies last night without Steph um, is awesome. So there's still a resolve about this team, a, an FU vibe that still exists with this team that is great. So yep. those two things are awesome. And that those two things are also why I would not want to play the Warriors yep. in the playoffs if I were another team. But if you're asking me to put money down, the Grizzlies are just a more complete team. They have a bench. They have an identity. Defensively, I trust them leaps and bounds more than the Warriors. And, and you know, outside of these little sort of light bulb snapshots, it's basically Steph Curry and everybody else. And everybody else has not been very good consistently this year. Where with the Grizzlies, I know that they can win with Ja, but, you know, when Desmond Bain comes back, this team is going to be ridiculous. That guy is legit. Uh, Jaron Jackson is a legitimate defensive player of the year player. They got a deep bench. And by the way, just like the Warriors can make moves before the trade deadline. If the Grizzlies just add one more guy before the deadline, like a real rotation forward that can come off the bench for them, they're going to be even more dangerous than they are now. I think they're well coached. Um, so I, I, for that reason, I trust the Grizzlies more. I don't want to put money on either of them though. Um, but yeah, I think I answered. You were right going back, what, 45 minutes ago when we started this, I love the Grizzlies answer. Uh, and you told me I didn't want you to provide it. You're 100% right. Although I will say, I love that you are you have a consistent brand on this show. Always funny, always prepared, always kind of needling Warriors fans. You know, there's like, and it's it's well done. It's a villain that we really enjoy having in our lives, but that was well played. Um, in I hope I don't come off that much as a villain, by the way. This W is for Warriors, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is exactly right. The Washington Warriors, I believe. Um, I'll tell you what, this is a heart bet, not a head bet, but I will bet you right now, uh, let's call it two drinks, says the Warriors make it further in the playoffs than, uh, than Memphis does.
Look, man, I'm I'm good with the take. Um, I'll I'll take you up in the bet because that means we get to have a couple drinks together. But um, go. I'm good with it. I really, if we want to kind of zoom out, I know we want to just do Grizzlies Warriors thing. I really like the Denver Nuggets, man. I, that's the team, and I know. But yep. then again, if you're a Warriors fan, you're like, all right, great. Hey, the Denver Nuggets are awesome. Maybe they're the best team in the West. But we've also had their number, and they still have no solve for Steph Curry. Yeah. So look, the Warriors when they're at their best, they are a matchup nightmare. I am not breaking news by that. That is oh, not dude. a great thing take, but it's still true. Everything you were saying. So what's trend? What's what's changed for me? Let's say going into this year, I was pompous, man. My question before the season started to anyone who would listen is, why are the Warriors better than they were last year? You know, and then it focused on the Kaminga's leap and all these other people. So, am I still thinking that this team should be the favorites to win it all? No, no, I don't. You know, and, and my my impression now is that we've got a puncher's chance. That's what you're saying. No one's going to want to play us. We are as tough as a starting five as can possibly be. And if we can figure out another couple of guys who can give us 20 minutes, you know, if Kaminga is actually ready or Wiseman is actually ready, then we're really fucking good. But those are open questions, and and until the questions wow. are answered, yeah, we got we got some concerns. It's it's you know it's it's not going to be a uh, a sweep towards another finals run. I think is is where we can agree. And let me give well, another question. Getting to the playoffs, right? Like that's number one. Before we yeah. start talking about who gets further, it, the, the Warriors are sixteen and eighteen right now. No Steph Curry for an, a, a, another a, an extended amount of time here. Like that's that's. Can I ask you a question? Can we like? Sure. Okay. I don't think that the Warriors would or should give up on Kaminga. So like, just take him off the board. Yep. But get rid of Wiseman, Moody whatever title like whatever young lamb like whatever young players if you could just be like you know what punt like it's fine maybe we love wiseman maybe we love moody yep. but if it means we could get a rotation guy even on a one-year contract right now who we know could be the auto porter gary payton type of guy who can complete because that's the thing with me with the warriors their starting lineup is great it was great last year they don't have that second and third lineup to get to they had those last year they had the gary payton lineup and they had the auto porter lineup the one that by the way won them the finals the auto portal lineup, they don't have any version of that. Michael Green has not been auto porter. He's been Nemanja Bialitia. Yep. He didn't eat Bialitia. Love Bialitia. He didn't eat him to win the finals last year. So you don't if if you could punt on the whole that stuff yep. and just be like, okay, you get one guy for one year and he might walk and he probably will walk after the season. Would you just do it knowing that it gives you a better chance? So last week, the two names that we batted around were uh, Jay Crowder and Alice Caruso. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's so yes, I think, um, yes. If you'd asked me that a month ago, the answer is a resounding yes to, you know, a game after Wiseman's 30 spot. It's still a probable yes. Although both of those names are not exceptionally sexy, but the thing that, that speaks to me, Wes, um, there are maybe, maybe on earth. I don't know what the world's population is. It's a lot, you know, many billions, eight billion. I think I saw something. Yeah. Let's call it. Let's call it eight billion of the eight billion people who are on this planet. Maybe five, maybe five are talented enough to be the best player on an NBA championship team. And the fucking Warriors have one of those five people. And so for as long as that's true, you can't fuck around with it. You, you cannot. It's never going to happen again. And so if that means giving up on the future of someone who is not one of those five people to solidify this person, yes. Uh, the the stupid-ass way I phrased it the other day was the Spider-Man ad, uh, argument. With great power comes great responsibility. They have the great power. Now there's a responsibility to fucking surround him. You know? Um, and so we'll see. it. I mean, one of the cool things about the Boston win and the Memphis win is, is this – reminder that who the Warriors are still impacts their opponents. It's not just the talent they're putting on the floor. It's the talent they've already shown. People are intimidated and, you know, you gotta, I mean, they, they have a responsibility to take advantage of that too. 
It's almost a proof of concept. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, a, if, if the last two championships weren't enough, by the way, yeah. but <laughs> it's just, th- that's why I think this next stretch is so important because if the Warriors just let, kind of like just go under and maybe like, hypothetically, if this is like the one game they win on this homestand, yeah. right. And yeah. then they just, then, then you're basically out of the playoffs. Like it becomes nearly impossible to make the playoffs. And at that point, then you're like, then why would we do any of these trades? Let's just kick can down to the road into the off season and then reevaluate. But if you come through this homestand seven and one or whatever, it's whatever. And, and now you're back into playoff position, then you still have enough time before the trade deadline to make a meaningful move. And I think at that point you say, all right, look, we love you. Wiseman. We love you. Moody. Maybe like, maybe you even toss out Kaminga to see what comes back. Like I, I think everything should be on the table. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like as much crap as the Lakers get for not moving these unprotected picks and moving Russell Westbrook to maximize whatever it is of LeBron. Like the way that if the Warriors are on the other side of this homestand and they're out on the outside of the playoff picture, looking in, they almost deserve the same amount of crap, whether or not you agree on the two time line approach or not. The fact of the matter would be that they are not doing the most they can to maximize Steph's current window. And that's not debatable. No, I mean, we will see how this season plays out, but if we fast forward a few years and recognize that they had a chance to go after another title and didn't necessarily do it, it it will be frustrating. We'll see. I mean, fuck, dude. I spent all year last year saying this all year into there's a new mic, but into a similar mic. I said these exact words into a similar mic. Then they won the championship. You know, and so have they earned the right to to do they know better than I do? Yes, they do. Um, But are, is there reasons for concern? Sure. And here's my last barb I'll throw okay. at the Warriors. The whole okay. flip the swip thing this whole year, you know, just wait till they flip the switch. Um, and I and I believe in it and everything we said about the starting five, but you're seeing the downside of it right now. You get one injury and now all those previous shitty losses, you know, like we don't have a lot of runway. We don't have a lot of leeway until Steph right. goes back. Last year you had the cushion because of the twenty-seven and six, yeah, whatever. Right. That exactly. Start was, and they don't they don't have that cushion. Um, since I haven't been on the show in a while, I've got two takes that or this is my general take on the Warriors this season is. Um, last year was not vindication of the two timeline approach. It was not. Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman, they didn't matter for you in the finals. You didn't need them to win it. Moody had some good minutes in the conference finals. Look back on those minutes. They were nice. They were fine. They didn't make a they didn't swing the conference finals. Okay, let's relax on that. You didn't need them. It's false vindication of the two timeline approach. What worked was hitting on a nail, bullseyeing the two veteran additions in Otto Porter and Gary Payton, and getting like the one healthy Otto Porter season in the last decade. That's what won you the finals. Those signings won you the finals. Um, this year, I, I did worry that that false vindication would sort of take over the long term approach that this ownership group is taking with this team because. Like those, you needed to repeat the Otto Porter, Gary Payton signings, not look, and you have to elevate Kaminga and you got to try to figure it out, but it's clear that like those guys are not ready right now. So whatever, like whatever you think about it, you think about it. Another part of this too is hold on before you go, because I want to push back on that. I disagree with you on that. The last year was a vindication of the two title windows, not because Kaminga or any of the younger guys contributed. They didn't fucking Wiseman. I don't even think was there. They didn't play any meaningful minutes. It didn't matter. But what they did was, Focus on the future and still win in the present. And that's what everybody told them they could not 
do. I guess, they, but you couldn't just keep doing that. That but was. But hold thing. on, but not I guess they did it. They won a fucking title and they didn't trade any of the young talent, you know. And so if this year that's what they're trying to do again, they're trying to keep the young talent while winning in the present. But the problem is the two things are becoming conflated. They're they're and that's right. where you're right. They're leaning on the young talent now, and those guys aren't ready, you know. So yeah. they did show us yeah. they could have two title windows. They, they that's what in they did that, last year. In that way. Yes. Well, we don't know that they have two title windows. We just know that they have the one. We have no yeah. idea. They were able to keep one open while trying to create right. another. The problem is now is that they're trying to create that future one and it's not working. Yeah. Like last year, they weren't yeah. trying to create. They just yeah. had basically they just had super talented guys at the end of their bench that never played. Uh, but I, I see where you're what you're saying. The other part of but my whole thing, too, is like, why are you doing this? You're at, like the Warriors are acting like they don't have the future. Or did we forget that Andrew Wiggins is 26 years old and that Jordan Poole is 23? Like, these guys are really good and will be good for the foreseeable. Like, Wiggins has got, like, another eight years of being awesome. Like, cool. Who knows? Like, yep. it's just uh, – you already figured it out. Congrats. Even, like, Looney's, what, 20, 26, 27? Like, good, you got the young parts. Like, who cares about, like, a 19 or 20-year-old? Like, seriously, like, who cares? Like, just – just it, that's the part to me that, that blows my mind. Anyway – those are my two takes. Um, I think I took us off script. I don't remember what we we're talking about. Not that. at all. I mean, what what I'm going to push us back to back to another Memphis question. I mean, and the the thing that that brings this back together, where the rubber meets the road for me, is there's reminder games like this that who they have right now need to be fucking celebrated. Jordan Poole is ready to win. Apparently, you know, I mean, they they really are. And so, if it proves that they need another piece, they need to not hesitate. They need to put that other piece into the car and see what the fuck ultimately happens. What'd you think of Steph's turtleneck slash jacket combo last night? Did it looked like like a sociology professor on the verge of tenure or something. Yeah. And it was like this old vintage jacket that was like yeah. a little outside. Um, I am not mostly a fan of the turtleneck under blazer look. Like Nikola Jokic did the same thing a couple nights ago. And he was getting a lot of credit on Twitter. People sharing it. Oh, guys coming in for business. I get it. Like it's that businessman <laughs> handle things. Uh, it just looks to me like you're like an under, like sort of like a bargain basement assassin. Like I, I just... I, <laughs> I'm just not into it. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm generally no on turtlenecks. So whether or not the Blazers over it or not, um, you ever worn one? You don't strike me as a turtleneck guy. Like I've I've never never worn a turtleneck. I don't think I could pull it off. I was gifted a turtleneck. Let's see. Um, back when I was living in California, I was gifted a turtleneck probably six years ago. I wore it one time to work. Hate, which is the worst because now you're just stuck. Like you, you just hate how you look and you look so stupid. And you're like, well, I can't go home and change. This doesn't make sense. So uh, I, I, and I just, I got rid of it after that day. Cause I just, I hated it. I wore one and this is a, a sign of how badly it's torched me over the years. I wore one to picture day in fourth grade. And I remember getting all ready for the picture. And then the photographer said, it looks like your shirt is eating your face. And I took it out <laughs> hard and he took the picture and I've never worn it since. And if you're listening, photographer guy, fuck yourself. I was eight years old. You could have just let me take the picture and move on. It was a hell of inappropriate. Uh, Jimmy Butler wore a V-neck when he was, uh, injured the other night too, uh, a black V-neck, and I was just like, "Can we just? All right, let's just agree. Let's let's keep it the collar where it is. It's good. We don't have to reinvent it. it. Doesn't have to go higher. It doesn't have to go lower. Let's keep it where it's at. All right. Did he have a shirt under it, or was it just the open-chested V-neck? Open-chested V-neck, like tight <laughs> V-neck, like he like he like lived in Milan or something. I was like, what are you doing? 
crazy. You know how happy it would make me if you showed up to one of these podcasts with an open chested V-neck. <laughs> like, I mean, you're in Miami. I feel like like a big dope ass gold medallion. Maybe you could just go all the way in, man. I did the V-neck look in college uh, back when I used to like shop at Target and get T-shirts like it was like three for $20 <laughs> T-shirts or something like and I used to do the V-necks. I actually met my current wife in college and she still talked to me. So look, the V-neck isn't a complete close the door. No chance. <laughs> But you got to work pretty hard to come back from it. Okay, I'll admit I have I own a V-neck sweater, and I always have to wear it the same way. Like if I ever put on V-neck sweater is different. Okay. <laughs> it's different. No, because you because you're gonna wear something under it, right? That's so true. You, That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Maintain the integrity of the collar line. That's okay. You're you're right. But I'll tell you that I bought it when I was thinner, and the thing is too goddamn tight, and so now the undershirt bunches out of it. You know, like like a scarf <laughs> or something, and like an ascot. It looks terrible, and thankfully I'm not wearing it now. Here's our like, last question. You wear that. I'll wear a V neck with a golden. Boom. Oh, next time, dude. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Here's our last question, and it's going to uh, involve me sharing my screen one more time if I can figure it out here. So post game uh clay offered a couple of takes and they were apparently called weird by some memphis supporters here are those takes man they was talking about dynasty and all that you can't talk dynasty when you haven't won before i don't think people realize how hard that is the commitment and sacrifice it takes i mean you gotta sacrifice your body and i thought that was premature talk you know to talk to even mention that word but they bring the best out of us, and I think we do the same. And uh, even though you don't like them, you got to respect them because uh, they're a threat. So that's his takes post game. And a Memphis reporter, Kel Wright, tweeted out the take saying, This is very weird. So my final question to you those comments, weird or fucking justified because he's been waiting six months to clap back? Weird is such a general term, so I'm not really sure what the reporter meant by weird. Um, but uh, what I have appreciated about Clay this year is like the return of, or actually not the return, the advent of petty Clay Thompson. Yeah, like this is a different side of his personality. He seems like pretty pissed off in general. Like the going after reporters more than he had in the past. Um, the this the Devin Booker thing that I referenced earlier. Um, there's just like a lot of stuff about like, don't forget who we are kind of thing with Clay Thompson. Yeah. When he mentions there like sacrifice, sacrificing your body. I mean, it's pretty clear what, what Clay has talked, like losing two years of his prime yep. uh, to injury there and, and having to work his way back. And they work, the Warriors have, and Clay Thompson obviously included, have worked really, really hard to earn the dynasty moniker. Like that is a thing they've worked really hard on. What's weird about it is I don't know that the Grizzlies ever said that they were a dynasty. So I'm not really sure where that's coming from. That's a little bit of a straw man argument. Uh, but if you like, so I understand Clay defending the dynasty thing because it, you have to work so hard to get there and to earn that. Nobody questions whether or not the Warriors are a dynasty. They are. And you to, to get to that point takes a lot of sacrifice and hard work. He is right on all of that. I just don't understand why he's talking about it because I never heard the Grizzlies be like, yeah, we're a dynasty. Did you see us get to the second round of the, the playoffs last year? Dynasty, baby. Like nobody's saying that. I think they did. I don't remember. I didn't post. so I don't have it. If they did, let's keep it that way. If they did, because they if they did, then they fine. didn't. If they did, are they, speaking as someone who covers the sport for a living, it, it does winning a playing game and making it to the second round of the playoffs make you a dynasty? Because I feel like maybe not. You know, maybe it's not. Arguable. Maybe you got to do something. It's arguable. You know, it's arguable. <laughs> I can go either way. Wes, I miss you. I genuinely miss you. You are my favorite villain on this show. You are fucking incredible. Um, we need way more Goldberg in our life. And to do that, where should we go? Well, uh, doing a lot more writing these days, uh, back to the writing grind. So um, 
I'm doing some work on the ringer. I'm actually going to have a piece up on the Warriors and uh, Jonathan Kaminga over at the step back this week. So follow me uh, at WC Goldberg um, and you'll be able to find that later this week as well. Jokes aside, I mean, you, don't, you guys know this. You just listen to him. Wes is very good at what the fuck he does. Um, make sure to support him to support us. You can shoot us an email. Let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. That is at uh, warriorshuddle at gmail.com. I'm sorry, huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Our Twitter account remains at warriorshuddle. We're on YouTube now, the whole nine yards. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you next week. Okay, you. Steph Curry is hurt. What do you want to tell him? Let's go, Warriors. And I'm sorry, Steph Curry, that you got hurt. I hope you get better soon. So soon, right? Like crazy yeah. soon. Like the soon as possible. At least in the next second. Bye. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep. Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. But I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.